We are joined now by TSN hockey analyst Dave Pullen. Dave, welcome aboard. Thanks for taking the time on your summer day. Thanks very much, Tony. I'm actually out at the NHL alumni golf outing today. I, I knew you'd be on a golf course somewhere, Dave. <laughs> Why does this not surprise me? But this is a working golf tournament uh, <laughs> with the NHL alumni, and it's a great cause, and uh, seeing a lot of great faces out here. All right, good stuff, and uh, that's always a fun time, I'm sure, to be reunited with uh, former teammates, former rivals, and, and just uh, sharing some old stories, I'm sure. No question about <laughs> it. And, you know, when you walk in and you see Brian Trotche and you remember how badly he beat you on face-offs for about <laughs> the first five years of your career, it's a sober awakening on a Monday morning, but... Uh, it is really nice. Glenn Healy's done a great job with the group, and, and uh, we're looking forward to a great day. Well, we won't keep you long. We'll get you out on the golf course shortly. You can follow Dave on Twitter at and 20 Dave, lots of talk about the Maple Leafs training camp a month away, and here we are 30 days away and still nothing for William Nylander, who is a restricted free agent. If you were kind of in charge of the negotiations from the Leafs' perspective, do you think he deserves a bridge contract? Or do you try to give him a, a contract similar to Nikolai Ehlers, a long-term five, six-year deal? Well, it's dependent on so many things, Tony. And, and, you know, I think we have to eliminate the false deadlines that people create. And so much of it is, you know, what is expected because other people have done it. And you've got to run. There is a salary cap for the league, but there's also a salary cap for your team. And you have to run it accordingly for your team. And Kyle Dubas is going to do the best for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Brandon Pritton will be a huge part of this as well. And there's so many things to look at in a micro and macro basis. And what you're seeing much more of now is teams trying to take back control of the CBA. And I used to talk to Alex Anthopoulos about this all the time, Tony. And he used to marvel that we gave up control in the NHL of the seven years that we control a player for because baseball almost never does. And Josh Donaldson being a great example, he's still under team control. And the tools that are normally used in negotiating arbitration virtually are non-existent in hockey. Now this year, more people applied for arbitration or registered for arbitration than ever be than the last or the previous few years in 44 and four went last year, only 30 registered for arbitration and only one went. And so you're seeing both sides use the tools more and maybe some surprising short-term contracts. William Carlson signing a one-year deal of both his volition and the team's. Mark Stone in Ottawa signing a one-year deal. And, you know, there was only one seven-year deal given out on July 1st, and that was John Tavares. Mm -hmm. And many, many more shorter deals. So I think teams are really trying to take control back. And Tom Dundon, the new owner in Carolina, has maybe led the charge in this, and he's traded some of his young players Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin, particularly to Calgary. And, and then another player, Jeff Skinner to Buffalo, that he maybe felt got paid too early in his career. And so what the Leafs are doing, and I, I think William Nylander said it best. He said, you know, their management side wants to be very slow and methodical and patient about that. And that's fine. That's totally fine. He doesn't need a contract until the season starts. But what gets mixed up in all of this is the other two players on the team, Mitch Marner and, and Austin Matthews, being eligible for an extension on July 1st. Well, eligible for an extension doesn't mean they're automatically going to get a long-term contract or an extension. I think people get caught up in those false deadlines, and it's been very quiet on that front as well. And so it's not surprising to me that they've gone into August. It wouldn't also surprise me if they got it done in short order here with William Nylander. In terms of a bridge, they have to look at the overall picture because it's only one variable you would have never counted on, say, two or three years ago if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs is, 
you are going to have an $11 million seven-year contract dropped in your lap by John Tavares. And that's changed the whole thought process for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because you can plan all you want, and they plan daily. But all of a sudden now, a superstar player is available. He's coming to the Maple Leafs, and you have a new $11 million contract as part of your salary cap structure. So the thought process that may have existed for William Nylander six months ago may be very different today. It'll be interesting to see what uh, what Kyle Davis and, and Pridham do. But what you said kind of strikes me a bit uh, concerning with regards to the CBA and with the CBA expiring in a few years. Are you bracing for an all-out CBA war in a couple of years, Dave? Well, there's an opener, and each side looks at it in the next two years as an opener, and either side can you know potentially open up the existing long-term deal. And, you know, both sides will look hard at it. And what don't you like about it? The players clearly don't like paying escrow. But this year, it looks like they're going to pay, or coming off last year, the lowest amount of escrow they've paid in a long time. And they were also using the false inflator. They could inflate the salary cap by 5%. Well, this year, they only used 1.5% of that. So some of the things that were in place in the CBA are actually coming into line just as they would over a long-term contract. And, you know, I look at it, Tony, and I think the NHL is cooking along pretty well right now. Mm-hmm. The salary cap is $79.5 million this year and, you know, the highest it's been. And players are doing well. Teams are doing well. Franchise values are at an all-time high. And I think they have to be very, very careful of looking at all the positive aspects and, and not letting the negative ones outweigh them. So training camp for the Maple Leafs opened 30 days from today. And you've mentioned some of the issues, the Nylander contract, the Matthews and the Marner situations. For you, what is your top storyline you'll be watching with interest once training camp opens for Toronto? It has to be John Tavares. It has to be the insertion of a superstar player to a very talented offensive team and what impact he's going to have on other players on that team. And, you know, I get questioned a lot about the defense. I think they go status quo in the season into the defense. Don't forget, they started last year with Borgman and Rosen as part of the rotation. And so I would expect to see them get another look, maybe a young Justin Hole get a look. Travis Dermott looks like he'll be a part of the mix. And they're also going to have the puck an awful lot more because of John Tavares. And is their defense going to be better because of that? Absolutely. And he's a low-and-go centerman. He's a guy who comes back very well to support the puck. Well, guess what? The breakout just got better when he's on the ice. And so I think he's the story going in. You know, everybody wants to create a story about the defense or, you know, who's going to play with whom. Well, who plays with whom depends on John Tavares for me and how he fits in and then what happens around him. You can start, you know, you could start Austin Matthews easily with Zach Hyman and Willie Nylander right out of the gate and say, okay, we've established a line, Nazem Kadri, maybe with Patrick Marlowe and Connor Brown. And who does that leave for Tavares? Maybe a Mitch Marner. Andreas Johnson may get a look there. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a look up top. And so there's lots of pieces in place. But to me, it revolves around John Tavares and how things fit in around that player. So having said that about JT, Dave, what advice would you give Leafs management then as far as I don't know, maybe protecting John Tavares in training camp, or, or would you give that kind of advice at all? Because Tavares is a veteran. He's used to this. He's used to the attention. He's had it since he was 13 or 14. What would you say to the Leafs management to try to make John Tavares as comfortable as you can at training camp? I think that player is fully capable of doing that all by himself, Tony. I yeah. really do. I don't think he has to be protected in any manner. He's truly a, a veteran pro, pro, albeit a young one, 
who's dealt with it his whole life. And I think those are all part of the aspects of why he felt comfortable coming to Toronto. And, you know, and, and he's also, he, you asked me for the lead story. There's a lot of other great stories Absolutely. about the hockey club. Austin Matthews being one of them. Mitch Marner, where's he going? Willie Nylander, where's he going? Um, you know, the defense in Morgan Riley and the continued growth. Um, you know, how's Jake Gardner going to continue to evolve? So there's lots of storylines. Freddie Anderson being another really good one. But the lead story for me is Tavares. Austin Matthews is very, very close behind. You know, you talked about uh, the John Tavares sign, and we've seen Kyle Dubas very quietly, I'm assuming, negotiating with Nylander, Matthews, and Marner behind the scenes. How would you rate Kyle Dubas's first few months as general manager, Dave? Well, there's not a ton to go on other than the fact that, you know, as the general manager, he secured one of the top free agents that's been that's moved in recent history, and that's John Tavares. So that's off to a great, great start. But behind the scenes, there's been some moves as well with, with personnel. Um, Dave Morrison is director of player personnel. Now John Lilly is the head U.S. scout. Those are people I'm very familiar with and, and really strong professionals. Blair McAfee hired on the pro side is you know, would be one of my favorite pro scouts and a really established veteran pro. So if you look behind the scenes at some of those hirings, I think it's been really strong. Is it important for the Maple Leafs, Dave, this training camp to address the captaincy issue, either by naming a captain or just saying we're not going to name one this season? I'm not as hung up on it as other people are, Tony. I'm really not. And, you know, I was named the captain the second year in my league, in the league, but I was you know, had been four years in college and a year in Europe, so I was an older player. And when I speak to that, and I spoke about it with Connor McDavid being named the young captain last year, I'm focused more on the challenge of the off-ice issues and, and all of the things I had to deal with as a flyer. And those were the things that I'm glad I had a little bit of life experience for to deal with. And in terms of the locker room, I think leadership flows the way it flows. Um, you know, your best players are generally your leaders. They've got some really nice options there, but I'm not as hung up on the captaincy as other people are. All right, our TSN hockey analyst, Dave Poulin, with us for just a bit more before he hits the uh, golf course. Uh, follow Dave on Twitter at DJPoulin20. I want to ask you about Tiger, but before I do that, just want to ask you about Mike Babcock. He's been a coach for a few years. We've seen a progression with the team. He's been very, very consistent in his views and his statements. But do you think there might be a bit more pressure? I know he's got the long-term deal, so maybe it eases the pressure a bit. But do you get the sense there might be a bit more pressure on Mike Babcock heading into this training camp? If it is, it's self-imposed. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's that simple. It would be self-imposed by a coach who knows he's got a better lineup because he's got a superstar player joining a, a very talented roster. And so I think Mike Babcock goes into every game expecting to win and wanting to win and coaching to win. I don't think that changed at all. I do think there's been an evolving of coaching, though, at the National Hockey League level. And, you know, and, and I think as a coach, you're always trying to get better and always working at it. And, and I, I would say I'm not going to soften it too much, but I'd say <laughs> you've probably got a a coach in Mike Babcock who has made himself more available and more accessible to the players on a daily basis simply because that's the way the world has changed and he's a real smart guy. Yeah, and we're seeing that across the NHL, aren't we, with uh, college coaches being hired by NHL teams. We've seen it with the Rangers and uh, and, and that seems to be the where we're going. You need and younger you coaches to play. college coaches, you know you've got to deal with the player for four Absolutely, years. Absolutely, yeah. But you've also known him for six or seven years. The first two to three years you were recruiting him. And the funniest line I ever heard was Bobby Kremens, the Georgia Tech basketball coach, saying when he recruited 
Stefan Marbury over the course of three years. He had to spend his whole first season de-recruiting him <laughs> while he was coaching him because, you know, they make so many promises and, and now you're coaching him and you're the authoritarian. So, but I think, you know, uh, that doesn't surprise me. I've always thought that was an overlooked group. I think there's some very talented coaches that chose to stay in college over the years, guys like Ron Mason and Red Berenson and, you know, had really good situations. Jackie Parker in, Bo- Jackie Parker in Boston, Jerry York at Boston College, who could have very capably coached the National Hockey League and chose not to. But the fact that some of these young guys like David Quinn are coming into the league, Jim Montgomery in Dallas, um, isn't a surprise because they're very talented. And, and I think a smart guy adapts to the situation. And we'll go back to Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock's a very smart guy. And uh, Dave, so are you. Dave Poulin from TSN Hockey Analyst, thank you so much for doing this. Have a great day on the golf course. Before you go, I just want to get your reaction to what Tiger was able to do yesterday. Wow. A great big wow. I love Darren Drager's tweets. He said he had a solid Sunday of activity planned and sat in the sofa for four hours and was transfixed. And I think that's a universal statement across the board. Golf fan, non-golf fan. You know, I was, I was actually at my club and, and the, the magnetic ability that he had to draw people to that TV set. And I love David Duvall, though, because David Duvall, who probably suffered the most at Tiger's hands, or one of the guys that did suffer the most, you know, former number one player in the world, when he heard one of the young players say, I really wish I'd seen Tiger at his best, David Duvall looked straight at the camera and said, the hell he does. (laughs) (laughs) And now they've had a little bit of a flavor of what the roars are. You know, when he was... In his prime, I had a chance to see him play live a number of times, both at the Western Open in Chicago, at the Canadian Open, and the Heritage Classic. And that's just a special, special athlete. And boy, he fired up the world on the weekend with his play. Yeah, mid-August Sunday, and most of us are glued inside. On a beautiful day, On a beautiful day, watching four hours of Tiger and golf. And yeah, few people can move the needle like Tiger Woods. Dave, thank you so much for this. Have a great day. Hit him long, hit him straight. Thanks very much, Tony. Have a great day. Thank you. That's Dave Poole and our TSN Hockey Analyst.